Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rugby League Talks. I'm Keegs. I'm Jacob. And we're and back. We're back. We're back. Um, we're back and we're in HD compared to what we're, what we're usually in. Um, pretty happy with that. Yeah, Jacob upgraded his mic, I will say. So he sounds a bit crispier. He sounds, a, he sounds good. True. Um, Sounding good. What are we here this week for, Jacob? So we're here for a few things. Uh, we're going to be doing the season previews for a few teams today. I think it was the Knights, the Tigers, and who else was it? Parramatta. And Parramatta, wow. So that'll be three very interesting teams. Yes. Uh, and obviously there's a bit of linkage between the, the few of them because, you know, we've got that switch happening between the um, Knights and the Tigers. Yes. And we've, we've spoken a bit about that, but we'll be able to go into more depth of it today in terms of what it means for the actual teams and what we think will happen in their respective seasons. Well, uh, there's a reason why the Tigers were picked this week. The computer didn't pick the Tigers. I picked it because of uh, recent news. Oh, yeah. I can't... What could what could the Raiders fan have to say about the Tigers? What could he have to say about one of their recent signings? Um. Let's we'll find out. Yeah. Well, let's not start with the Tigers. I reckon we start with um, the SRL. Actually, the, the SRL. SRL. Yes. This, yes. This episode is brought to you by the SRL, the Simulation Rugby League. What is SRL, Jacob? So SRL is basically it's this community, and it's run by a few guys. And what they do is you go into the Discord server, you create a rugby league life four player. And you get to play in the mines, try and earn yourself a spot on a team, uh, like an NRL team, basically in the SRL. So obviously that's where the name comes from. And basically, in a nutshell, it's the NRL in Rugby League Live 4, where you control the upgrades for your player, but the actual matches are simulated. And it's really fun because obviously you get to join a team, you get to be strategic with your upgrades, uh, your team list, your captains, obviously... It's just a, it's a bunch of people that you can talk to about the footy as well, just in all the threads there. So, pretty fantastic. And the reason we talk about the SRL today is because Keegs, the businessman himself, has organized to sponsor the SRL Rabbitohs team. So, you'll be seeing our logos on their jersey, I believe. Yep, the jersey and the stadium wow. this season. So, a bit of... And if you go over there and you look at the post that we put up, uh, you may see a little hint to what's coming in the new year. Um, You might. Yeah. Well, see, Jacob and I are both second rowers in the SRL. That's true. um, I played in the mines this season, so I'm a rookie. Uh, I played in the grand final where I unfortunately lost 18-0. Terrifying. Oh, it was... Horrendous, and then I actually got drafted to the Rabbitohs. And who do you play for, Jacob? I play for the Warriors. And, and he, he signed what a happened between deal. them? A lifetime deal, yeah. I see. I've joked about it, but yeah, I'm pretty much never going to leave that team if I don't have to. I'm just having too much fun with all the captains and all that. That's another thing. It's just so much fun to banter with your teammates because you get your oh, own yeah. sheds channel as well. Um, Mate, I got Hallie. Yeah. On my, on my you team. got Hellier on your team. That's right. I got Snicko Bro on my team. Which <laughs> is, if you don't, hilarious. if you don't know, uh, Hellier and Snicko Bro have developed quite the rivalry 
uh, in SRL minds, and it's it's just so entertaining. It's oh, it's so good. like like I said, SRL get into it. There's just so much good banter, and everyone's just the great at taking the piss out of it. Um, oh, it's so good. I love it. it. <laughs> it's and yeah. Uh, I'm actually what kind else? of working on a project within the SRL. I'm actually looking to get the uh, super coach up and going with it. Oh wow, that'll be fantastic! Yeah, I'm I'm unfortunately an NRL fantasy player. Uh, actually, the NRL fantasy stuff came out a few days ago. Well, I want to build up my team. This side, um, it's actually like fantasy inside the SRL. So you pick, you can get, you can pick, um, myself or Jacob to. Oh, so you mean like actual like? Yeah. The- Yo, that is actually insane. I didn't. I didn't. I thought you meant like a general. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be amazing, bro. I'm I already know. I'm putting all my money into captaining Paddy Corcoran. If that happens, <laughs> he is if that that guy is an absolute beast. Either him he or Buncey. Buncey. Him. Oh. Buncey. Oh, Tatario Max. Eyes. Yeah. You join the SRL, and obviously you just you remember the players as if they're real life players. You just get too invested in it, mostly because it's just it's too much fun. Yeah. Like there's no there's no reason that it should be as fun as it is, but. The more, you know, you, you get involved with the banter and chatting to everyone, it just gets, it's just so much fun. Obviously, Keeg's having joined recently. I, I joined earlier than that. I was there towards the middle of this year, I think. Yeah, you were like mid-season two, like, start. Yeah, because yeah, we didn't, we didn't have, I did play Origin in my debut. That was actually kind of crazy, because I think I bagged a double in my first game somehow. <laughs> And I kind of just rode off that hype forever, so I was kind of like the David Fafita of the SRL. Oh, I just, I just no. had my, I had my one good season. I was like, yeah, "Let's go, baby!" But... You also got put in the center, all right? I did. That was actually lots of fun. I yeah, I had a chat with Bonsi about that, and that was we've got a plan. We've got a plan. All right. Not 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 specifically one with me at center, but there is there is a plan as to what we're doing with some of our players. Well, let's get started into our own little business then. Let's start off with the Knights. I think the Knights are going to be the one mm. that we need to talk about. A lot of uh, chat getting thrown around about the Knights, you know. Um, if there I always have is. a look at who they're signing, the first guy I have on this list is my absolute fave player that I unfortunately lost from the Raiders, and that's Adam Elliott. I actually yeah. have big props to Adam uh, this yep. season. I think he was great in defense. For Canberra, um, yep. he had that mentality. Could it have been that it was only a one-year deal and he needed to improve himself after he got like kind of sacked from the doggies? I don't think so. Um, I I think we owe a lot of success to Adam Elliott this year in his defense. Uh, but they're yep. also gaining Jack Heavington, Tyson Gamble, Jackson Hastings, and origin great Greg Marju. Um, but then... You mentioned this before we started recording. The number of losses that the Knights are experiencing this year is outrageous. You got Mitchell Barnett. It's a lot. It's a lot. Mitchell Barnett, Edric Lee. I'm going to butcher this. I'm sorry. Jaira Mosia. I, I can't. Tex Hoy. Anthony Milford. Suasail. Su- uh, fuck me. Pasami Polo. Jake Clifford. David Clemmer. Chris Randall. Big one there I think they're losing is Clemmer. Mm. Uh, he's going to Tigers, but I just think 
He's a great meter eater, and as you've mentioned before, great for fantasy. Uh, <laughs> slow, slow play to ball, uh, which we'll speak about later. But if you rate the signings for Knights, how do you go? I'd go a B. I I reckon the B is where it's at. You know, um, there's just a big. There's so many questions surrounding that back that back line of like you you look at all the backline players and like fuck this could be the most poor defensive side in existence. That backline might not make a tackle all year. No, not at all. I look, mate. <laughs> if you have Gagai and um, Marju on I, the same side, funnily enough, I think the Gagai is probably the best defensive player there. <laughs> but he. Uh, which is like it's, I don't know. He was he was a pretty good defender at Souths. He kind mm. of misses tackles for fun nowadays, but at least he, he kind of disrupts plays. He doesn't make amazing reads. At least not as good as I don't think he used to. But and then I think Dominic Young actually he does an alright job at following a center. There's yeah. not many times where I think I've watched a game and I've looked at Dominic Young and go, oh god, what's he doing? Um, Marzu, however, he is, um. He is a less than spectacular wing defender. Yeah. It, it seems like the awareness is just kind of not there when Marzu is defending on the wing. Like, it's not just following the centers, but also there's been times where some crafty ruck play has really caught him off guard near the try line. That's like, he, yeah. This... He doesn't know how oh. to read. And I don't think yeah. Justin Holbrook was too good at that. Um, uh, I think no, he's I going think... from one bad defensive team to another. In my opinion, yeah, I, I would agree with that, especially with the Knights. And there's obviously a lot of inner turmoil there as well with Adam O'Brien and what's been happening there. Uh, I think we talk about, I was doing this all defense, but something that I want to talk about that I find interesting is how the signing of Tyson Gamble fits in here. Yes. So it's Hastings, I, I think everyone knows what's happening there. He, he's probably going to play seven. It's uh, you, you don't really see him playing anywhere else. He's sure as hell not going to be the six unless we see something incredibly cooked. See, uh, Marzia will be winning or nothing. Yeah. See, that's where I've got on my best 17. I, I'm with blind Brian Fletcher on this that Hastings' best position is 13. Uh, you've mentioned it before. I actually agree. I actually agree with this. I just don't think the Knights go through with it. Well, you've got Adam Clune who can do a job. Not the best job, but he can. He's there, and then you got. Gamble. He's a great effort player. Clune yeah. is a great effort player. Hundred percent. And then you got Gamble at six. See, the one thing this entire preseason, and even like at the back end of last season, was that do you play Ponga at six? I'm a strong believer. You put if you do not put Ponga in that defensive line at all. Doesn't matter if he's a fucking center. You do not put him in the defensive line. You you keep him at fullback. Yeah. We know what can happen if he, like, with his head knocks. Like, he's got a bad history of it, unfortunately. Hmm. Um, which can even extends back to his high school days. I just don't see why you would want to put Ponga in a more de- de- uh, dangerous position because every time he got a head knock last season in a game, they went on to just go. The Knights just went on to go horrible. Like, they just... 
everything just left. Mm. Um, like, obviously, losing a star spine player in the middle of a game does that, but, like, when Ponga's not on the field for Knights, they just can't perform, I don't think. You know, you had Tex Hoy, but Tex mm. Hoy's gone now. You got uh, Bailey Hodgson, who's the nephew of Josh Hodgson, who will be playing hooker for the Eels this year. I just look... The Knights desperately need Ponga to play nearly every game this season. He can miss... Like, he'll play Origin if he's not injured. (laughs) But that's the only time the Knights can afford to lose him in a game is around Origin period. Anywhere Mm -hmm. else, and I think their season might be done for. You know, obviously that Mm. is speaking of past experiences from the past two years, which um, we saw in 2021 when they had no Mitchell Pearce or Callum Ponga. They look unorganized. Mm. They look like a horrible offensive side. And I would also like to point out this year, every time they had the chance to score points off a penalty goal, they took it. And those are the only points they scored that entire match. It happened against Storm, Eels, and I think another team. But there was multiple uh, times when they went for the penalty goal first, and that was the only points they scored all game. You know, I consider myself a connoisseur of the Nova Castrian attacking structures. Because you mentioned Mitchell Pierce, yeah? Yeah. Now, if you go back to 2021, the way that the Knights worked in attack, at least once they got Jake Clifford over there, was they had both of the halves isolated, organizing their side of the field. There was the occasional 76 play, and we've talked about that before on the show, where your halfback and your 5'8 combine, but it was mostly separated. Now, what linked the two was when Connor Watson came on from the bench. Yes. Uh, This was... Sorry. (laughs) This was somewhat similar to what they were doing the next year, except it was Clune and Clifford initially. Um, Then Milford came along. You did have Kurt Mann, who was playing that linking lock role, and I think was actually quite good for them. Um, Something that, weirdly enough, is looking at the best 17 that you've put together. There's no Kurt Mann there. I did notice just that now, but I think that's because... I did put Hastings at 13. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think the way the Knights are looking at it now, they may put... I think they will put Hastings at 7. And then you put Man at 13. I like Elliot a lot, as I said before. I think Elliot plays a lot. You reckon then Kurt Mann becomes think... that bench utility? Yes, I think Kurt Mann takes up the utility role the same way Connor Watson did because we know that Adam O'Brien has done that before. Mm. I think we do see... I think Hastings plays seven mostly because that's what the Knights have been looking for. I don't think they can... As much as I think Hastings is actually a much better 13 than a seven, I don't think they can kind of afford to put him at lock, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, they need that because, half. Yeah, and not just that, but also because they... Like, we're talking about some of their losses with Clemmer, but I actually think one of their more notable losses here in the forward pack is actually Mitch Barnett, because they'll they'll be able to have the Saifides up front, first and foremost, right? Yeah. Uh, they're pretty... They're your quick play the ball, more mobile. More mobile-type props. I quite like them when they're in form. They didn't really have a great season last year, but the year before, they were quite solid. 
Um, you, you could go with Hastings, but I don't think that Elliot is a bench player for them because of the loss of Barnett. And we've seen that... A.O.B. Well... Sorry. Does have that propensity to play Barnett at 13. And the way you mentioned Safidi's fair, like, they're fast play to balls, which is great for ba- uh, Braley. Yeah, but I don't think Braley is necessarily a running type hooker, but I think it does provide him a bit of opportunity to show some craft. Well, I think Braley, like like you said, he's not a running, but he's a manipulator. He loves manipulating those markers. Mm. Like, he'll go out for a scoop and then, like, pass to his first receiver if he needs to. Much yeah. like, like, would you, you wouldn't say, would you say Appy is a running hooker? Or would you say he's more of a manipulator? I'd say he's more a manipulator than a runner. If we're talking about running hookers, I would, I would probably go Grant. to guys like yeah, Grant, uh, D. Smith. But I'd even say Robson because yeah. Robson Cook, Robson and Cook particularly because Robson is like, he was he was running so much that in 2021 I was saying why is this guy running half the time? Because yeah. it would be like, and the Cowboys also they've specifically set up their attack so Robson can actually run on fourth. Yeah. So because that's where Dearden comes in and plays nine, and then they still have two kicking options with Chad and Drinky, which is a really like nifty thing that designed. Um, with that, I think the main thing, like obviously losing Clemmer in this is a big deal because like he's mm. your club man, but we all know that toy moil the toy moil that happened uh, at the back end of the season. When he told yeah. a trainer to fuck off, basically, when he said, yeah. I'm not coming off the field. Um, which kind of, I think that sparked a lot with Adam O'Brien and the board. And it's like, hey, this guy's not going to be it. If he's not listening to the team, he needs to go. You can definitely see why Clemmer was the one to go. And I think Clemmer yeah. was happy with it. Yeah, probably. Um, but let, the... do you want to talk about this? Best seventeen. Let's okay, yeah. Let's let's reconstruct it. So we'll get we'll get rid of Hastings at thirteen. We'll put. So let's do this. Uh, yeah, Elliot at thirteen. I, I think Clune is the old man out. To be honest, I think so too. Mostly because Adam O'Brien did show that tendency to leave Clune out when Jake Clifford was starting to come back into the team, because he did quite like Milford at six. That's yeah. another thing I wanted to add about the Knights' attacking structure. It changed a lot when Milford came in because that's when they started... Milford started playing lots of first receiver, but he also started sweeping around the back more often. And that was very different to the isolated halves play that they were doing the year before. So that was something that Adam O'Brien did change in their game plan, or at least one of their attacking coaches, or someone. Um, it was it was too structured to be eyes up from Milford. And... Oh. They played a lot of the season without Ponga as well. Lots of Knights attacking shapes rely on Ponga out the back, which we've posted about before. Do you, I think that was more of like a Joey um, insertion because you know Joey was like the big thing last preseason was, oh, Joey's a new offensive coach at Knights. Um, was he actually the offensive coach or was he just an advisor? Because I know he does have lots of different roles at different clubs. I, I don't thought he was the offensive coach but I know there's a story where like it was him and Adam O'Brien like have meetings at each other's house and like they would literally get their pool tables and use the pool balls as like attacking structures and do that so he, <laughs> um it reminds me do you know the um 
the video of Joey with his two fingers pretending pretending one is Fisher Harris and one is Regan Campbell Gillard. And it's just Joey like smashing his fingers together. <laughs> it's a really funny clip. Someone should someone should try find it. Uh, look, that doesn't surprise me. Joey's a weird fellow at times, but He is. He can be pretty cooked, but I, I love watching him be cooked. It's funny. Oh yeah. Um I, I think Maybe that didn't help them either, how they changed their attacking race halfway throughout the season. Um, and, like, obviously, the main linkage men, and I think a lot of the... what, the, So, you know how those... Sorry. The first couple of rounds for Knights, they really had that one that, that really good streak. Um, and I think he put that down to how Kurt Mann was playing at 13. He was at linkage 13. But then he got that in- guy was also out of the world in terms of his meter reading. Yeah, somehow he was wearing an Origin jersey, but it looked yeah. Like well, it was. <laughs> well, there was a, there was a point in the first few rounds where people were looking at Gagai and Jake Clifford, saying these guys have to be the signings of the year, which is like an ultimate way too early hot take. Um, <sighs> yeah, but it was it was like honestly, if they kept up the form they played with. Could have been a fair shout, but obviously yeah. they didn't. Um, I, honestly, I I just don't know what happened to the Knights this season. Like they started really well. Kurt Mann obviously got injured in the first couple of rounds, and that kind of stopped their momentum. Ponga got injured. I think he had gastro at one point, like in the middle of a game. I think yeah, I can't remember if that was this year or last year. But either way, it was quite it was quite interesting. Yeah, and they just had so much, so many injuries and so many uncertainties throughout it. Uh, They lost Lachlan Fitzgibbon, and we all know that Lockie and KP love doing plays together. Yeah. So yeah, big losses all around for the Knights. Uh, You can kind, I think you can kind of see why, but then there are still questions like what the what happened. There needs to be answers. But when we look at this best seventeen, the re the. The just recreated one. Uh, KP at fullback, obviously. I'm going to stick by that to the day I die. Greg Marge. Likewise, likewise. Dominic Young and Greg Marge. I think Greg and Dominic play rings. Greg is a big question mark. Uh, Do they... They don't have Tuala anymore, I don't think. Knights. I think he's over at Tigers. And then... I got Bradman Best and Dane Gagai in the centres. Uh, Bradman Best, obviously another one who's been injured frequently throughout the past two seasons, and who haven't unfortunately, and who hasn't unfortunately been able to show his full potential. We we know how good he can be. Uh, on the edge, it's just he's had injury after injury, and he's never had a consistent run. Yep. Um, Harves, Gamble, and Hastings. Um, obviously, going to sign you to like. Gamble's interesting, I think. Um, at times, he doesn't have the best defensive reads. Uh, I go back to the Sharks game when he was playing at Broncos this year, and he tried to read Nico every single time, and Nico just outclassed him. Like he would, uh, Gamble would either shut in too early, he would shut in too late. Uh, Nico would step him. It was it was just wasn't a good game, and. He does have that organising 
stuff. He does. He, he's a good organizer at times. Uh, even against the Knights, when I think it was Milford's first game with the Knights, and Gamble put on a pretty much of a clinic. He was at seven, and I think that was Ezra Mam's debut actually. And then for the props, I've actually got the Safidi brothers. Again, you're, you're a big fan of them when they're on. Uh, Braley at hooker. Frizzell and Fitzgibbon are my starting second rowers. Um, Frizzell, you know, he played Origin a couple of years ago. He didn't have the best year. Like, you could say that about every Knights player this year, though. Um, yep. I think if you were to... Na- like, who would you even name for player of the year? Play of the year for Knights. I I couldn't put a I couldn't put a name on it to be honest. Um, well, I think the winner of it was Clemmer. There you go. Yeah, which, which I think is I think is fair. Reasonable. As much as I have my critic, as much as I have my criticisms of Clemmer, he did show up week in week out. He did. Um, cut it to the bloke. Yep, hundred percent. Uh, and then the so I got Adam Elliott at lock, and then the bench is Kurt Mann, Leo Thompson, Bodie Jones, Jack Havington. Havington, um, did he miss the season due to a shoulder? I think that was him. I wouldn't be surprised if most of that time he missed was actually just being suspended. That's true. He's very undisciplined. Um, is yeah. I think it will. NRL historians will. Be very intrigued by the time that him and Tavita Pangai Jr. were on the same team. Oh, good lord! It was it was very interesting. It's lots of fun. Oh, hang on. it was the joke in Reddit match threads. It would be you know betting on which one of them would get Sinbin first. <laughs> um, that's what I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna go to uh, no, not that. I also wouldn't be surprised if we see Elliot playing second row instead of Fitzgibbon. And we see Man at 13. It could be an interesting experiment, but you have to ask yourself, because you would need someone to play in the middle for Kurt Mann unless he's playing 80 there. But, you know, playing yeah. 80 in the middle is a very, it's a very demanding thing. You know, not everyone does that, and for good reason. Yeah, that's very true. Um, I've actually just gone to the actual website of the NRL for stats. The Knights were 15 in penalties conceded. Wow. 132? Yeah. And then penalties conceded was... I don't know if this is right, to be honest. 172 for Storm. Hmm. Bit interesting, but... I don't know. I don't... I, I, the last time Heavington played Trent, uh, football was 2021, um, which was a doggies, because I, I think he was injured for majority of the year. I think he only played like two games at the start of the year. And I, I just want to see how he'll go. And again, the preseason trials are, are going to be hectic of like trying to fill in spots everywhere. Um yeah, Hetherington played, Hetherington played three games this year. There you go. So he didn't play much footy at all. Yep. Um, how do you reckon they'll go? I don't think they'll go too good. I just... um, 
Yeah, I don't think they'll go too good, but I think it depends on a few things, obviously, because, you know, if, if, for example, their forward pack could come really good and we could see some of the form we saw at the start of last year. Yeah. Um, we could see, I think a lot of it depends on how they're able to unlock Ponga in those attacking shapes, because I don't think there's much creativity in that spine. Um, Bra Braley does an all right job. Ponga, I think Ponga is fantastic. I am as as much as I like agree with some of the criticisms that he doesn't show up in club games as much. I am very much firmly a Ponga believer because I think we've seen what he can do when he's on. Yeah. Uh, obviously that performance in Game Three of Origin this year, I think that is one of the it's one of the elite Origin performances of all time from a spine player, and I think that people forget way too quickly just how good he actually was that night. Yeah. Like it was like no one was tackling him. It was it was over. Yeah. And obviously he had one of the most important tries. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so tired tonight. Um had one of the most important tries of the game. Uh it really put Queensland into a decent position. So I yeah, that that's all I really need to say about Pong. I think is an absolutely brilliant player. However, Gamble he he has the occasional decent play. He can put in an all right grubber when he wants, but I think his overall creativity is it's it's not there with some other five eights that you could be looking at in the comp. Uh, because you have to remember that a lot of these teams that are going to be vying for spots around a similar position of the ladder, you know the the Tigers, they're going to have Adam Dewey in that six spot. My criticisms of his defense is actually quite a decent attacking player. Uh, the Bulldogs are going to have Matt Burton with a year under his belt and more time at the sixth jersey. Uh, the Warriors are going to have Tamari Martin, who is also coming back off of another year, and he did a decent job to ice opportunities at the Broncos. Wasn't their main playmaker, but he knew where to be in attacking shapes. Mm -hmm. So Tyson Gamble, I think, is going to be an odd man out in terms of 5.8s of those teams vying to improve their spots. Uh, second is whoever their halfback is, whether it's Clune or whether it's Hastings, Clune, he does like to throw that cutout with Pongi at the back. However, you know, does is it something you can routinely rely on? No, because yeah. players will be able to make reads on that. You know, we see Adam Reynolds, he loved to get the ball out to his center uh, until Murray Talangi had other plans uh, when they faced each other for the second time. So, you know, players, they do adjust. They do make reads on things. Hastings in seven. I don't think he's particularly creative. I think he's very predictable because of how often he touches the ball. He does a great job at straightening out the attack, but that only works particularly well if you have a great second receiver who does have that creativity. For example, you look at Chad Townsend at the Cowboys. I don't think he's anywhere near one of the most creative halves in the comp, uh, but he just straightens it out and he's able to get it to, usually it's Scott Drinkwater or Tom Dearden, who they do a bit of the creative work. Who is that man for Hastings? You'd have to think Ponga, right? 100%. But he's roll out the back is generally in that wraparound shape Which, so again predictable and teams can read it like a book teams can read it and um, sometimes it doesn't work because they try to jam in on ponga but then the half has that opportunity to throw the cutout in the overlap but obviously that's getting into more technical stuff with reads we it's it's hard it's, to fit that stuff in a podcast that's the thing where it's like you know what the knights will do before yeah. they even hit the, they hit the field. Can I can I make my prediction though for the nice attacking structure? Hundred percent. I think they go for split halves, 
They're going to have Gamble on one side. They're going to have Hastings on the other. And so we're going to see Ponga wrapping around at second receiver in a similar vein to what we saw in 2021. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have either Elliott or um, Mann at lock. And if Mann comes in as a 14, I think that what he's going to do is link the attack the same way Connor Watson did. So I think they're going to be doing new tricks or old tricks. I can see that happening. Um, my big concern here is uh, Adam O'Brien. A l- like, yeah, that face, you know what I'm at. Like, you have a look at him. I think he lost the dressing room. Last That's season. a fair assessment, I think. Um, the, the, the effort play definitely wasn't there. From both sides. For every mm. time he went on a media conference, I would cringe at what he would say. He, oh, yeah, there were some pretty abhorrent conferences being had. Um, What was the thing? I've been in... Oh, it was four grand finals. Yeah, but never He's as been a... involved with four grand finals. Never as a main coach, you dickhead. Good ways. Yeah, exactly. It was. I think he did end up apologizing for that statement, saying it was taken out of context. A little, Sorry, which I guess is fair. But you also do need to be pretty careful with your words as a head coach. You know, I can't. So, sometimes the best thing to say is just nothing at all. But I, but I definitely understand his instincts to want to defend himself because as, as much as I think that he's not a fantastic coach, he does get dragged a fair bit. Um, yeah, but then he carries on like a muppet, and now I'm like, I got no sympathy for you, mate. Honestly, yeah, if you're out there breaking he, fans in a commentary box. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. That was pretty fascinating. And he does the. There's there's lots of Adam O'Brien goss, but I don't, I don't find it as interesting as much as I find like rewatching Knights games attacking structures. When does it get to the point? That's because I'm a nerd. <laughs> when does it get to the point where the dressing room lost you at the Knights? I don't know. I think I think the Knights are in a weird position because they don't actually have any like legitimate proper locker room leaders, I don't think. Because you look at Kalen Ponga, who obviously was made captain, but I don't I don't think leadership is his main thing. I don't think that yeah. that's why you bring in Ponga. I think he's he's good as an on field communicator where he's calling plays for himself, playing eyes up. But I don't think he's the guy that's constantly getting amongst everyone saying, Alright boys you know, focus on your discipline here. Okay, one set, one set. You know, like he's, he's not really yeah. a Clint Gutherson type communicator. Um, I, I think that man will be uh, Hastings this season. I, I agree. I think despite... I think Hastings, he's he's obviously had some run-ins at his previous clubs, uh, with the Seagulls, the Roosters, with his demeanor. But I'm of the opinion that someone's got to do it. And at the Knights, honestly, who else is going to... I don't think they make him captain. I think Ponga and yeah. Safidis resumes captain. I don't think it happens, but it would probably help a little. I I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give them some advice that I got given. The best leaders don't wear the badge. Yeah, that's a pretty. I like that. I think some players definitely come in and they lead through example, um, whether or not they get the name tag that comes with it. Hopefully we see that Hastings is that kind of player because they do 
really need someone that can start saying, all right, boys, line speed. Yeah. You know, focus on discipline because that's something that you've written in for your notes for them improving their defense, for example. Uh, um, good defense, improved offense. A lot of that's going to come with communication and just effort. I think Hastings is the man to do it. Uh, there's a lot of times when he went under, like he would move the ball under, so then he could like straighten up the attacking line. And it's going to be really good because you have the Safidi brothers there to do it. That you, that they can that fast play the balls, so and then he can do it twice. And then if Gamble or or KP um, can do something tricky after a fast play the ball from the second under. I think they're going to be good. Uh, they did it at Tigers. Um, one thing I'm going to say is, for the player to watch his gamble, he needs to have a good preseason, but he needs to have an offensive preseason. He, yep. um, I just think he need they need that attacking flair, as you said. Um, you just can't yep. rely on KP anymore. Yeah. Well, it's. For my player to watch out of everyone in here, I think I would go with, um, I'd say Dan Gagai. Yeah, okay. It'll, it'll be a weird one, but I would go Gagai as much as I would go Bradman best, and it's because the Knights, with the way that their forwards play, they don't really have those big metering forwards. So I'll throw in the entire Knights back line as my players to watch. Um they need to make okay defensive reads because obviously that's going to be the main criticism or at least the main focus or spotlight on them. Um, but they they need to be getting the yards from the back of the field because, like, the reality is that your Cyphides are probably not going to be cracking the same yardage that you were getting out of Clemmer. Yeah. So you're going to need to start off your sets good. You need Dominic Young to come in, get that good play in the ball. And Gagai and Best, I think their biggest strengths are running the ball. We saw this where Gagai was cracking 200 meters towards the start of the season. Best, when when he's at his best, for lack of better words, you know he's he's a strong, powerful ball runner. We know about Greg Marzio, the ridiculous meterage totals he was putting up. And Dominic mm. Young, of course, he's a fairly big frame. He can get good play of the balls, but he can also bust some tackles. He's pretty quick as well. Oh, maybe not quick, but he's fast, you know, once he gets those legs spread out. I think so, uh, be... we saw his potential in the World Cup. Uh, a lot of people... Yep. So having that World Cup on his belt, can he replicate it? We'll have to see. It's an entirely different team. Uh, I would say he was playing with one of the best halfbacks in the world, being Georgie Williams. So, yep. honestly, it's team to watch there. I, I don't know where to go. Um, Knights are an interesting bunch. A lot of questions. To be honest, I know we don't like talking about who's going to get the wooden spoon, but at the moment, it's them for me. Yeah. I, I, I put them there last year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put them there again this year. Yeah. I mean, it was... They... They did narrowly brush away from it this year, I think, and it was just because you had some really weak teams with the Tigers and Titans. Yeah. But even other than that, yeah, even the Warriors. But I think I think the Warriors can improve this year. Yeah. Um, I think. I mean, the rare group of people that thinks that, but I do think it. Moving on, though, um, 
I think this is going to be another team that not necessarily has a lot of questions regarding um, can they be in the eight? Because I think they can be in the eight still. And that's the Eels. They're coming off yep. a premiership loss. Uh, they got, I would say, they got absolutely decimated. Oh, I'd agree. I think it was the the Penrith forward pack just absolutely bowed them. They they did they did very mean and nasty things to that Eels forward pack. They really did. The um, it was because you look at guys like RCG who I don't. I I don't know. I I kind of do not rate RCG as much as a lot of other people do. Uh, I think Junior Ballo is a fantastic prop. However, I think they've got some great forwards like Reese Madison. Um, yeah, yeah, Madison, Ryan Madison. And then to see them get absolutely crushed the way they did, especially by Fisher-Harris and Leota. But Fisher-Harris had an absolutely outstanding game. And, you know, those are the kind of games that he has week in, week out. I think him and Haas are probably some of the best props in the competition. So the Eels, they're getting hop good, I believe. Yeah, they are. Um, That's going to be my big sign for them. Yeah, they lose Kafusi. However, so it'll be be really interesting to see how they go with their signings, I think. They're a team that hasn't really made that many moves, but it's more the moves that they have made change the makeup of their team a lot. Especially, we talk about their four-pack Ice Papali'i leaving. That's a, that's huge to me. Like, yep. you, you lose Papali'i, who has been your, probably your best forward for the past two years. and Yeah, well, one of the best second rowers in the comp, nonetheless. Hundred percent, and then he he was just so good, like he would just barrel over people. He would get an offload in, good meter eater. But then, yep. you also like you lose Marnie, you lose you lose your hooker that yep was on the verge of playing Origin. He was. Pun. He was. Yeah. Unfortunately, like, I, I just think you look at those two It was two the year losses. before where Andrew McCulloch came in. Yeah. You just look at it and I'll, you go like, can they recover? I think they can. It's not a permanent fix for who they yeah. brought in. It's a stepping stone to allow them time to regain those positions. Um, yeah. You got Josh Hodgson coming in. Um a lot of people are questioning him and why the Eels decided to go after him. Uh, I can see why. He's done three knees. He's done three ACLs. Um, however, Terrifying. He... Pardon? Terrifying. Yeah. Um, and you, you just look at it and you go, he's, put, he's, he's, getting, he's getting up there in age. But he's the experience yep. you need and the experience that can help turn this team back into what it needs to be. Uh, it's basically been yep. confirmed that Brownie... Oh, well, Brownie's been confirmed to stay until 2025, I believe. With the options going until 2031. That's fucking ridiculous. That's a big, big contract. Uh, That's those are, my, those are my thoughts at first, but then we actually don't know what kind of options they are. 
We don't know if there's salary options because who knows? Depending on the salary with the cap adjustments, we don't know if there's any ratchet clauses or anything. It could actually be an incredibly shrewd decision. But obviously, we don't know those inner workings of the contract. Yeah. We don't really know anything, to be honest. But it'd be cool if we did, because I'd love to see how it works in different it's, hypotheticals. It's interesting, and it raised a lot of eyebrows over Twitter and uh, NRL in general. It's like six years as a, as a option is big. Yeah, um, but we don't know if it's a specific one option. Yeah. It could be split up into two. There's so much we don't know. It could be a Ponga situation. Yeah, just could don't be so much. Dad to be your manager. <laughs> well, we we don't know. There could be so much, but the thing is that we just flat out don't know. Yeah. Um. And then you got um Moses. Uh, I don't think anything official has been announced. There was linkage towards the Tigers. There's linkage towards everyone with Moses. Dolphin. I'm not reading into it too much until it happens. Yeah, which is fair enough. I just. I look at it and I'm like, wow, this is, it's going to be a big year. Um, I don't think anyone would, like, would anyone be surprised if they get bottom eight? Like, not bottom eight as in the ladder, I mean as the bottom of the top eight. I I think that's a realistic expectation of them, unfortunately. Um, But... I hope for the sake of Hodson himself and the club that Hodson can do some things where I'm a, see here's the thing I'm a strong believer in Hodgson still he may be old but he still has that raw talent in him I believe um he's a great he, he this is what the thing is he's going to be, he's like Marnie with his kicking they love kicking in that 40 and doing that box radius um yep. And turning teams around. And when you, the team is on the front foot and they do that, it just forces the, the opposition forwards to sprint, to try and get back there, which tires them out even more. I, they, they have the forward pack to do that, to tire teams out. They unfortunately didn't do it against Penrith. Um, I just... I look at this team and you don't have big expectations. Like, there's that stigma of, like, the premiership window's closed and everyone's saying, nah, it's not closed, it's not closed, inside the club. But then, you just look at the losses and the gains. There's only really two big gains and that's Hopgood and Hodson. And then, like like you've said, they're losing Nikoya, Papalihi, Kafusi, Marnie, Ray Stone, Tom Opacek, Hayes Perham and David Hollis. Uh, the first, I would say, five is pretty big. Even Opacek at times. But Opacek's a pretty good defender. Yeah. And I think that's what they needed. They need defensive, like, like the Knights. They need defense. Um, they just lacked it so many times throughout this season. They had no consistency. Even the past two years, they've had... Con- times where they're consistently inconsistent yeah they they could whoop one of the top teams in the competition but they could also lose to the tigers yeah it's ridiculous how that happened i mean they won against storm twice they really really they won against penrith twice in the regular season 
then lost yep. to them in the regu- uh, in the finals, but then they can go on to lose towards doggies and fucking tigers. Yep. It's, and if I'm Brad Arthur, I'm like, get your head in the game. You want to win a premiership. Here you are slacking off. It's like that match clip from Tales from Tigerland where they win, like the Tigers win, and then they go, you fucking won the Saint, against St. George. It's like you need to have that mongrel in you to get up there every single game. doesn't matter who it is. It, it doesn't matter if it's the Storm, it's Raiders, it's Titans. You go out there with the same mentality that you want to win. You don't lower your expectations. It doesn't matter who you're yep. playing. You have the same constant hunger for that premiership. They don't come mm-hmm. out there that season with it. I, I have no faith in the club anymore, to be honest. I had so much faith going into that final series for them. And then I, I, I will have no sympathy for them if they just continue playing the way they have been for the past two years. And if I'm a fan of Parramatta, I wouldn't... If I was a fan of Parramatta, I would say that it's been a bullshit two years. You, you made a grand final, but you look, you made us look miserable. You, you let the I would say you let the club down. Days. That that's how I feel. Like I am, I genuinely get angry when they can win against the Storm, but then lose against Tigers. I hate a team who has a horrible mentality, and the Eels are up there for me. And it's the same two people every time for me. I'm not going to name them, but I'm, I, you know who I'm talking about. Could it be the a fullback and a halfback? It could be. You could know it how, be? You know how much I don't like them. Yep. As players, like they're really good. As like people, though, they are the most ringiest and... That basic see that that's the thing. They set the example mm. for everyone in that team. You are on a million dollars per year, basically. You set the standard for that club, and then you can't go to your teammates and saying you're slacking off. But then you go, but then you as yourself can go to the refs every two minutes and say they did this to me. They did it in the grand final when the kick when uh they tried to milk a penalty off the kick out. It was lazy off Moses and they to be honest they're lucky they they got into that position because it was a blunt blind ref in the Cowboys game that got them to that grand final in, with the forward pass Shaw Cows did some pretty shitty things in that game with their defense on the line but they got lucky to even be in that spot. I think they still had to work their way from behind, so I think it's... I would just put it out to luck, but... It is... It is a mystery how the Eels seem to turn up for some games and not others. I mean, I guess all teams have good games and bad games, but it really is just in, like, the discipline areas. Like, they really have a lot of kinks to work out there. See, that's the thing. They go into a game expecting to win it, but then that's not the mentality you should have. And, like, Mm. they had the talent. They have the talent to do it. They did it. They had Mm. it this year. They had the team to win the premiership. Mm -hmm. I just... 
you had Dylan Brown, who probably had the, who was the best five eight. I I even I think he was better than Munster this season. Hmm. I, he was a like, when we saw him early rounds, we're like, holy shit, this guy's sensational in attacking. He's improved so much more. He's no longer just that defending half. He can actually score points and get crafty. Mm -hmm. I just... I'm astonished this is what happened to Parramatta. But going over, like... And you look at all those losses, and I'm just saying... Wow. Like... You look at it here, the forward pack has taken a bit of a hit. You obviously yep. lose, like, Kafusi, Papalihi, Nakora, Marnie. And you, you like, Hopgood is, that, Hopgood is that person that you look at it and it's like, yeah, that fills in a spot. But then you have a question, is like, do you play Madison 14 or do you play him at second row? Even then, you could play him at lock. You could, and you could move Hopgood to second row, maybe, or do you play him fourteen? Hopgood could come off the bench. We really don't know. There's so many ways that they could go about this. Yeah, and I don't think we're going to find out until we start to see what they do in the trials. Well, he's a player for me to watch as well as the halves. It's to see. I just want to see have the halves adjusted to that loss and gotten uh, need to be better here need to have a better mentality and I need to fix up my errors in the game um, I just but that's what they need they need that con- mental consistency hmm. I this is what Tunza once said to me and it stuck with me and the more I think of it the more I believe it rugby league is no longer just a physical physical game it's a mentality game it's a mental game you're losing yep. your head you lose the game physically mm-hmm. so it's it's all up to them now in my opinion it's it, the ball's in their court I would say yep what do you think who's your player to watch and what, they, what do they need um I think my player to watch of all of these guys is definitely going to be Josh Hodson and to see what he brings from that nine position because we know what Marnie brings. But a lot of, despite Marnie not really being a running nine at all, he still had great support running. And it'll be interesting to see if Josh Hodson can do those extra 1% efforts given how injured he's been lately. Um, He's also going to be very important because Marnie's service going really wide, getting it to Moses or Brown, a first receiver, he he was really good at that. You know, he could throw these absolute pills from just anywhere. They would be right dart, bang, right into their chest. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Hodgson can at least replicate that because I think some of Mitch Moses' best footy, uh, same as Dylan Brown, is when they can play first receiver you know, a fair few meters away from the rock and yeah. not just cuddling up next to it like, you know, you guys like Hastings might do. You know, that they, they like to play wide, they like to shift, they like to play risky footy at times. 
So I think a lot of that, obviously, it starts with Hodgson, who's going to be the first person with his hands on the ball after every tackle, and how he can do that. I think another player to watch for me is going to be Hopgood, because he's going to have to take in that role in the middle. If Eels have a similar forward pack to last year in terms of strength, uh, it'll be pretty decent for them. I think whoever plays second row for them this year, whether it's Madison or it's Mergy or no matter who it is, they're going to have some really big shoes to fill with Papali. But as long as they run their lines well and tackle well, I think Eels, they're very much a second phase play team. Um, and we've got fantastic players there, but I do think that the offloading part of their attack can be picked up by Junior Ballo and Sean Lane. That's what made Eels so dangerous this year at times was their second phase play. Yeah, I think it's what made them dangerous over the past few years, actually. And the yeah. support running that backs it up all the time, too. Gutherson, as much as we speak about him, he is he is an amazing effort player. Yeah. Like, you oh. know, a guy that's come off the ACL injuries for him to be able to work on his diet and fitness the way that he does and repeatedly make these one percent efforts, it's pretty impressive. Um, Dylan Brown, he's similar, constantly supporting Port running, same as Moses, even. Uh, and that's what Marnie was doing. We'll have to see if Hodgson can continue that. I but think yeah. Hodgson brings a leader into a pack that needs a leader. Hmm. Like, you got obviously, you've got Guffo, but you also have someone backing him up. Yeah. He, Hodgson was pivotal in 2019 for us at Canberra. He had some really great moments. Uh, as I mm. mentioned, that kicking he can do. Yep. I think he can add the pressure. And I think, uh, like you said, it'll be interesting to see if he can continue doing those one percenters. However, I think he'll be the one creating the opportunities for one percenters with those kicks and the way he is able to manipulate the defenders to allow that to- that extra time for um, Moses and Brown. He may not be able to do the strong pills that Marnie is was is capable of doing, but it's the way he can maneuver himself around the field that will allow that will replace that for those halves. Yeah, but yeah, it's again a lot of mysteries for Eels. Um, there's, I know I'm an Eels hater. Uh, it's going to come off as um. I am a. I don't like the Eels um, at times, but that's because of their laziness. I. I hope they can do well. I hope every team does well at times. It's just. It annoys me on how they, how inconsistent they are, because I know they have a higher potential that they have not reached yet. Hmm. And. Is the Premiership closed? It's hard to say. Like, this is... I... Like, it's... It's a new spine with Hodgson coming in and there's going to be a lot of questions surrounding can Hodgson keep up. Hmm. Um, but yeah. Let's let's move on. Um, yep. Tigers. Tigers is a club that everyone looks at and thinks... They've made some genuine good signings. Um, 
those signings being Apikosau, Isaiah Papalihi, David Klemmer, um, Bateman, Charlie Staines, Nofaluma is coming back from loan, and Tristan Riley. Um, but then they, you look at the losses that they're experiencing. Luke Garner, Kalmatulagi, Zane Musgrove, Jock Madden, James Tamo, Oliver Gilder, Jacob Little, Tyrone Peachy, Jackson Hastings. Um, a little thing that came out uh, today regarding Tigers. Uh, it may, I think it was today or either a couple of, like It was this week. Apparently, they've had Staines, Staines' favourite for fullback with Laurie at 5'8", and Dewey in the centres. Wow. I look well, at that's... Wow. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, huh, okay. Like, Staines had a couple good games at New South Wales Cup um, at fullback, but I thought... Myself, I thought Laurie was doing a good enough job at fullback these past two years. And does he have experience in the 5'8 position? I don't know. I generally do not know. I thought when he was at Penrith, he was a... Um, um, a fullback, but... I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how to say about what to say about it. I I think he's crafty enough to do it. Does he have the defense though? Well, I don't really know if any of their sixes did to begin with. To be honest, yeah, that's true. So I mean, why not just have a fun little crack at it? I guess. Um, no, it'll be really fascinating if that does come to fruition. I think it's. Obviously, the Tigers, we know, they do like to throw around some random position changes. I don't like Dewey at centre, first and foremost, though. I think you need to get his hands on the ball more often, do you not? Kind of, but I also think that it's a terrible idea due to the way that Dewey defends. Yeah. He can be pretty flat-footed at times. You don't. And that's, that's the last thing you need at centre. He's also made some pretty suspect reads when he's played there before. I, I don't think that's the answer, um, especially not to accommodate for this weird log jam because the problem when you have that is people aren't really competing for spots either. Like, you'd rather just have, you know, Laurie start off with that jersey and then have Staines in New South Wales Cup fighting for it, but... Or even you know, the Tigers... Or just... Just anything, really. Like, just... I don't know. The Tigers, they do things really weirdly. And I know we talk about all the signings I've made, and these are amazing signings. But are, are they going to use people properly? Are, are they going to field the best team that they can every week? Or are they going to chop and change it a fair bit? We don't know, but we've seen it before, you know, when they do sign people that they tend to do these really weird moves. Like, obviously, we saw Hastings come in at 13, which yeah. I think that one paid off. But we also saw Brooks get moved around a fair bit. And I, it'll be interesting to see whether, just where everyone fits in. Well, that's the thing. You've made two signings that counteract the way they play. You've, you've got Appy, who loves a fast ruck. 
Yep. But then you've got Clemmer, who's got a very slow play the ball. Yeah, I wouldn't say very slow. It's not like Aaron Woods level, but it's, it's like it's slow. not. It's not. Yeah. It's not what Appy has experienced in the past with the Panthers. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely slower from your first choice prop than say like James Fisher Harris, who's just an absolute beast. I would thought I would have thought that when you signed Appy, you build around him. Mm-hmm. So you make a fast forward pack, and you've even like going back on Dewey. Then you've got Benji Marshall there. So why would you just keep Dewey in five eight? You've got Benji there to mentor him, who, while he wasn't the best defender, he can still help and, like, craft reading. He still won a premiership. He still won a premiership, and he can help Dewey reading the play, what the opposition's going to do. Wayne said himself last year when Benji was playing, Benji is not the best defender, but that doesn't mean he's not the best reader. Hmm. So, I think you need, like, Tim Sheens is a coach that uses everyone's strengths and makes their team around those strengths. It's going to be the same with the coaching staff here. Have Benji mentor Dewey until Benji takes over in 2025. It would be interesting, though, to watch... Benji mentoring Laurie because I I think Dane Laurie's an interesting player. Uh it'll be funny to see how it goes if they do end up doing that. But obviously we don't know if they will or not. Yeah. Um I I just You look at this team and you, you immediately think the Ford pack is gonna be their strength. It's the halves that of a big question. You got Brooks, hmm. so it's basically determined that Sheens does not want to move Brooks on. Uh, he, like, that was an entire saga for the past two years. He requested a release multiple times. He didn't, uh, they didn't allow it. Um, has it been said that Brooks has actually requested the release, or do he, does his name just keep getting thrown around? I think it's. I can't remember. Because uh, if ma- there was, like, a formal request, there would probably be a bit more buzz around it. You would, you would think so. I just... Again, it's that stigma of tiger clickbait. clickbait. For, hmm. uh, whenever the tigers come up, people just can't stop mentioning the tigers because of everything that happens at that club. I honestly don't know what to say about the Luke Book situation. Um, Joey Johns has favors Luke Books a lot. I think I think um, he's like said, oh, he's got the potential to be a great half, about or something along those lines. Where I'd love to have him at Newcastle, and I is. Praised Brooks a lot over the years. Yeah, I would have thought he's, he's had his criticism of him too. Yeah, I would have thought with Tim Sheens coming in, it would be a fresh start for the club, and maybe even give Brooks a fresh start. I don't think there's any fresh starts for the Tigers, to be honest. 
a lot of their board makeup is the same you know as the people that have got them into this position uh a lot of the you know they keep changing the head coach but the actual politics around the club remain the same yeah and if that's the case then you're not going to be changing anything at all because you can have as many fantastic players as you want but if you don't have a framework that actually allows coaches to do what they want, everyone to succeed, then you're going to be pretty hard-pressed to build a team that wins games. You can't... No. You can't look at the side last year and go, Madge was the problem. I don't think Madge was a problem at all. Sure, he made some questionable decisions of like moving players around, but he also allowed... He also made Hastings who he was. Like, put Hastings at the halfback position and allowed, like, they were going genuine good. But then Mad shot the sack and they got. I, I, I think they got worse. Hmm. I, I don't think Madge was the problem at all at that club. Um, he had everyone's best interests uh, at. In there, he tried his hardest, and like you like you said, it's the board where it doesn't allow give coaches the freedom to do what they want. It's what the board wishes, and the coaches just like the messenger, you would say. Somewhat, obviously, we don't really know the inner workings of the Tigers, but. It it does seem that way so far. Like there's so many stakeholders that it doesn't really seem like it would be possible for a coach to just drop someone as they please. Yeah, I think Tag uh, Ty- Tales from Tigerland. So kinda allude like it. What, what's his name? Oliver Pasco. That's Justin Pasco. Justin Pasco. CEO. He's an interesting character. Like. Obviously, they have a very committed fan base, the Tigers. Mm-hmm. You saw that within the documentary. Yep. But when everything was going downhill, like, uh, he was, like, over on holidays and he wasn't making any statements. Like, he went on holidays at the worst time possible. Yeah. I... I hope Tim Sheens can, like, improve Luke Books because Luke Books has been targeted by the media and fans for years on years. It got to the point where he was basically cyberbullied off Instagram, off yep. all social media, which is a horrible thing to do. When it comes to that, you know, like, you, you just want to make sure his mental health is there. Like, he's healthy and he's not in any, like danger or anything like that he's because that can get inside his head that could all that pressure you put so much pressure on Brooks that he just can't perform sometimes yeah and I it would be pretty hard for him to focus on his footy and I think he's spoken about this when his name is being thrown around in transfer stuff like every day of the week which is kind of sad because yeah he was always kind of hailed as the chosen one, where you because he had a really great game on debut. 
Um, it, it was a cracking game, and he was just he was having fun with it, and he was just playing off the cuff footy. And he, I think he bagged a try, set a few up, and he was he was just he was playing really great footy. Um, yeah. But obviously, he didn't really continue that form on. Uh, his play style has changed a lot. He seems a much more robotic and stilted nowadays. I don't know if that's because he's had the creativity coached out of him or if it's just in his head. Obviously, we've got no idea, really. But, yeah, it's it's disappointing to see. It's just very... Yeah, it's very structured footy. He doesn't play eyes up. He doesn't make the best... Def- like, and at Sometimes it looks like he doesn't think at all. I think, yeah, it's it's like making your decision before you play. We've, we've spoken about Flanagan doing this a bit. I, I don't actually think Brooks is as bad as Flanagan in this department, but he does kind of just have these malfunctions a lot. It's like he's reading a book. Like it's, He's just going off of what the instructions in a book tell him to do. Yeah. Like, there's that game where I think someone was sinbinned and he decided to kick on third or kick on second yeah it was a kick on second when they had a player in the bin it was an attacking kick i think it was him playing off the cuff but it was just like it wasn't the best it was way too risky yeah because it's sometimes he doesn't take enough risk a lot of the time but then there's times where he just takes way too much and it's like what's going on here he needs that balance of playing off the cuff but then playing in that structured play style I think that's why yeah. like when Hastings moved the first receiver it helped a lot because he hmm. was able to think freely a lot more on what to do yep. it's just when personally I just think he needs a coach that believes in him and I think there's been plenty of belief in him from the coaches you reckon? Yeah, well, he's has Luke Brooks ever been dropped in his career? No. Yeah, that's true. He's he's never been dropped in his career. He's he's out there every week. It's pretty much guaranteed that he gets selection at this point. At least it feels that way. So it's it's a weird one. I think it's having the organization believe in him more. Yeah. Well, actually, no. The organization does seem to believe in him. I think. I think they just believe in him a bit too much at some points. At least they put a lot of pressure on him with the contract and making him their main guy, making him one of their captains as well. See, that was, was another really, thing that was dumb. Five. The five captains, was it was a bit silly, but they obviously backtracked on it, and rightfully so. Yeah, it's... Every, like... I can't remember the interview, but I think it was with like Lara Pitts and Madge, and Lara asked what was the f- go of the five captains, and Madge defended the hell out of it. Yeah, which is like, yeah, okay, but looking at this team now, I don't think Appy is the kind of leadership guy there. I actually think he is. I think Appy is the one to go to. I just don't think he talks a lot. I thought when you look at it, I think... you'd be surprised. You, yeah, you'd be really surprised by at least, especially from what I've heard from Penrith fans, in yeah, games. He is. He brings a lot of energy to the team. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. So I, I... obviously, um, 
watching footy on TV versus watching it in person is very different because you see a lot more yep. in person. Just watch whenever Penrith is celebrating or whatever, watch how closely Appy always gets to it. Okay. He brings a lot of energy. And also the way that he looks around and the way that he communicates from the rock. Yeah, that's true. In terms of actual footy specifics. So he brings the energy, he brings the actual footy direction. No, I don't... I don't know. I, I like I like him. Well, do you want to go over this best 17? Yep. So, looking at Dan Lowy as our fullback, you reckon? I would hope so. So do I. And then I've got Nofo and Mamalo as the wingers. Mamalo yep. was, I think, their highest point scorer last season. I think so. And then you got- I also want to say that in terms of the fullback battle, they also have Junior Tupo. Um, I'm surprised that we're seeing Stain's name thrown up before we're seeing Tupo's name thrown up. Not as if Tupo has been absolutely lighting it up in New South Wales Cup, but he's a very high potential player. Yeah. He's a former Junior Wallaby, for example, which is pretty impressive, to be really? honest. Really? I didn't know that. I didn't even yeah. know that. Okay, wow. So, yeah, because he, he made his debut against the Cowboys on the wing. I think he had an all right game. I, I think he scored a try. I can't quite remember. Um, but if not, he, st- he still played pretty decent footy. Okay. And obviously he gets to develop even more, being quite young at the moment. So, yeah. I'll have to watch more of him then. Um... Yeah, always always try and catch the Magpies New South Wales Cup games because they have either... Um, Jake Simpkin, who, by the way, in this best 17, we've got Little in 14. He's at the Dragons. Yes, I did. So it should be it should be Simpkin. Yeah. You've got the wrong Jake. Simpkin, I... he was a very crafty player. Obviously, he played in the Prime Minister's 13, rightfully so. Albanese was absolutely based for putting him in. Simpkin, <laughs> very crafty. His defensive first contact isn't amazing. But he's a guy that he, he likes to run the ball when it's on. He watches the markers and he's very crafty. Yeah. I think him learning under Appy is actually going to be one of the best things there for the Tigers if they can retain Simpkin. Well, that's the thing. Like they've they've made these big signings now. Now it's all about retaining the guys that they need to retain, but they're already there. Yep. Um. So I've got Staines and. Naden in the centres. That's has Staines played in the centres before? I don't think so. Um, but I just thought you've made such a big deal about getting Staines. He need. I think who was the other centre for them? Um, can't remember. Uh, that would be Kapoa. Kapoa, that's right. Yeah, I think is fairly young. I think Kapoa gets the nod in the centres, to be honest. Okay. Uh, Kapoa there. Uh, Books and Dewey in the halves, obviously. Yep. Um, Clemmer and... So I've got Clemmer and Twal starting props. Yep. Uh, Appy at nine. Seafarth and Papalihi at um, second row. I've actually got Offengary. Uh, Offengary... You think... You think Seafarth plays there and not Garner? Garner's gone to Penrith. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. What about that? Um, 
and I will say it does. Um, now, actually, now that Bateman comes in, does Seafarth go to bench, and Bateman goes to second I would, row? I would say so. Yeah. I would say if Bateman's coming in for this season, that they've signed him to, you know, be part of their starting second row pairing. Well, I've got Alfin Gary at lock. I'm a big fan of Alfin Gary. I thought he likewise, was, likewise. I thought he was a great offloader. He made so many second phase second phase play moments that just wasn't able to capitalize on at times. Uh, he's a big boy, great meter. Um, I think mm. they can play around a lot with like um, Dewey and Laurie with his offloading ability. Even yep. Appy now uh, could get like mm. a little run in there. Um, I was a bit. I think often Gary played Origin in twenty twenty one. I would love if often yep. Gary played Origin again. I think he's a phenomenal forward that gets overlooked at the best of times. He's pretty good. Um, and then on my bench, I've got Simpkin, Pole, Yutaki Manu, and Blaw. Um, so I think Bloor is the one that misses out here and Seafarth goes to the bench with Bateman coming into the starting side. Um, Pole and Yutako Manu, great props that showed great potential over their debut seasons. I really liked the look of Pole in his first few games. He brought a lot of energy to the team. He did. It's what they um, did. Yeah, and Utsubikamani obviously has that potential. Injuries have held him back a little, but it should be good, especially if he gets some playtime. I think he played only not. Oh, he, I think he played less than 10 because he had a very bad ankle yeah. injury that uh, was niggling throughout the entire season. Yep. Um, and you just look at that forward pack again and you just uh, you just think that is their strength. They've built that. They've obviously built this forward pack around Appy, excluding Clemmer. Um, could Clemmer work when he's fast play the ball? Possibly, but what there's the... a bit of technique to it. Yeah, it's. Do you think it's more wrestling the technique? Uh, not necessarily. I think it's about being able to drop to a certain point. It's what with... Tama was good at. Yeah, exactly. He would get straight onto his knees. When he'd get hit, he'd go to his knees. Yeah, getting onto the the elbows, especially um, knees and elbows, because you need to be on your front as you hit the ground, so that way you don't have to do all the twisting and turning. Mm. Obviously, we just said Tamo, who was absolutely brilliant at it. Um, so, yeah. It's... Like, obviously... The backs and forwards inside this team are very different. One is mm-hmm. like the shining bright, and then the one there's like clouds over it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see how this forward pack goes. It's how the interesting. backline capitalizes off it. I agree. Also, is this forward pack fit enough to go 80 minutes? I think so. If they put in decent rotations, I think they'll be all good. Yeah. It's uh, t- Tim Sheens is a uh, has been referred to as a mastermind at times. So we'll see how he manages this team all around. Uh, and you got um, Benji coming in up, shadowing him for a couple of years, and then taking over. 
So it's an interesting time with Tigers. A lot of uh, stuff happening. And honestly, I, I myself can't wait to see it. Yeah, should be very interesting. 100%. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Who's your player to watch this season? For the Tigers, uh, I'd definitely say Dane Laurie. I think we do want to see him take another step up at that fullback position, especially behind a forward pack that is improved. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to live up to some of the hype people are giving it. Um, but I do think that it is improved and it should provide more opportunities for the spine. Uh, Luke Brooks as well. I think he is... The reality is he needs to be playing good footy yeah. um, for the Tigers to be playing well. This is a contract year for Brooks as well. He'll Ooh. be free to negotiate after the year. So, Wait, so not, does, not really like sorry, a, does his contract end at the end of this year or the end of next year? As in, like, does um, it end 2024? Uh, I'll have to double-check at the moment. But, yeah, it's contracted until the end of 23. Okay. So, he's... This is this is it. This is the contract year. So, right. you, you know, he's, he's still got plenty of years left in him. He only just turned 28 um, about a week ago. Wow, he's so young still. He is. So it'll be it'll be an important year for him in terms of seeing how he plays footy because I don't think that he is going to like disappear off the face of the earth. Yeah. I do think some teams are going to be willing to take a punt on him because, you know, he doesn't he doesn't seem to kick up much of a stake, doesn't seem to be a cultural problem. The option of Super League is always still there too. Yeah, but I I don't know. It, it feels wrong saying that that we can just send anyone to Super League. But I don't know. I guess that works out. England can send the convicts over here to build up this country, <laughs> so we can send them our we can send them our rugby league players that don't make the NRL. Yeah. Um, fair trade. Fair trade. No, it's, I I think there's a lot of high hopes this season for Tigers to turn everything around. New coach, new forward pack, um, same old halves. Yep. But there's potential for improvement. It's just how yep. the team themselves go about it. Of course. Um, was there anything else you'd like to add for this episode? No, not really. Alrighty. Well, guys, um, we'll be back next week for sure. Um, but until then, what do we love? We love our footy. Thanks, guys. Enjoy.